0: I think it's so important to, no matter how much anxiety it might produce in the moment, to bring it up and talk about it because you don't really want to be with someone who can't accept you for your flaws.
1: Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Com method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest with your hosts and certified Conmari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen
2: Sochi. And now, here's the show. Today, we are going to discuss how to spark joy when it comes to your finances and the impact financial clutter has on our relationships, on our mental and our physical health as well. Our guest today is Tess Wicks. I met Tess at Nextdoor Chicago, which is a co-working space, not to be confused with Nextdoor, the social network. It's actually a co-working uh, facility for entrepreneurs, those who need a space to go outside of the house and gather. What's great about Nextdoor is they have workshops. So Tess was teaching a workshop on how to create a podcast, the nuts and bolts, the behind the scenes. And just some background, Karen and I, we were big fans of podcasts, but we had no clue all of the behind the scenes layers of work that was required to actually get a podcast on air. So Tess's advice was invaluable. And Uh, she had we or we have two other podcast mentors that's that have really helped us get this off the ground Um, so we're so grateful for them and uh, we they answered all of our questions and helped us um, get started and on this project that we love and that sparks so much joy So we're so excited to have one of those podcast mentors with us today, and we're excited to return the favor by having Tess on our show to talk about her passion, which is helping us manage our money. So personally, I'm looking forward to this show because I need that advice. I I would say after tidying the Kunmari way, I realized that I needed to declutter that slice of the life pie that is finance. So I've been looking very closely at that aspect of my life. Now that my home is in order and I don't have to concern myself with my space. So Tess is a personal finance coach and educator. She is the founder of Wander Wealthy, an online community for women in their 20s and 30s to get inspired and achieve their personal development, money and travel goals. Tess creates video content on her Wander Wealthy Facebook page and YouTube channel and is the host of the Words and Money podcast. Tess wants to empower women to get smart about their money while still being able to spend it on things that bring them joy. Welcome to Spark Joy Tess. Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
1: Welcome to the show, Tess.
2: Thank you. So Tess, you've had formal training and education in science, finance, literacy. You've also had experience with things like performing improv and teaching kettlebell classes and playing violin, really cool stuff. So we are really fascinated by your and want to know more about your story. How do you kind of connect the dots across all those different interests and ultimately land on the area of personal finances and helping women take control of their money?
0: Well, you really did a deep dive into my background. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's what happens when you live your life online. Um, right. But exactly. I mean, it, it's, it kind of makes sense now that you put it out there in front of me. I um, have... I was, I studied actuarial science in college, which is, um, not actually science. It's actually, uh, finance and statistics. Um, it's kind of if finance and statistics had a baby and then that baby was afraid to take risk. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, actuaries typically work for insurance companies and, um, consulting companies to help them or other companies reduce their costs with the risky environment of doing business. And, um, I was one of those people and then um i i did that for a couple years and i worked really hard to become an actuary but i decided that you know it wasn't really right for me um growing up i lived my life doing a lot of arts and performance but i also was obviously very interested in fitness and um being active and it just was hard to kind of sit at a desk and crunch numbers all day. So I I got the entrepreneurial bug and, um, left the world, that world behind, um, to kind of do my own thing. And so that led me to creating content online and exploring what opportunities were there. And I knew I wanted to create something where I could help others. And the biggest gap I saw was in the financial industry, mm-hmm. um, especially me as a 20, uh, how old was I then? 23 or 24 years old. Um, I still had so many questions around my personal finances, even though I had a financial background. And so I knew if I had questions, a ton of my peers must have questions too. Um, I found that a lot of uh, you know, online or even in-person financial services companies didn't really speak to women and their needs. And so I really wanted to fill that gap to educate the women that, you know, were my age, um, just out of college, really starting their career and help them see and feel empowered about how they could use their finances. And I get to kind of perform in a way that, um, you know, I'm not necessarily doing improv anymore teaching class kettlebell classes but I get to perform and teach um, on
2: a much bigger stage by doing it online. That's very cool. And were you always particularly financially savvy or did that come naturally to you kind of Um I've been always very financially cautious. Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: And I actually my parents are extremely savvy when it comes to finances so I had a very Decent upbringing, of kind of making smart decisions with my money. Um, I also when I was very little, I would just save money. I was uh, and I still do. I, I tend to I call myself a money hoarder. I tend to just keep <laughs> money and hide it in various places. Online in the bank, invested and in elsewhere, um, not so much cash or under my bed. But um, I I tend to hold on to money and avoid debt as much as possible, which is just something I learned from growing up with with my parents.
1: It's so interesting. I think that you chose a field in finance that was so risk averse, and yet you're now an entrepreneur. I mean, that is so opposite. But um, so I'm going to be really interested to hear how that evolution occurred for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of um I like to put myself in really uncomfortable situations to see how I will perform. And so, I'm actually Very, this is kind of another example that is not related at all, but another example of why I do, how I do this is I'm very introverted and then I put myself on stage and do improv or teach classes or go online and do um, podcast interviews or do video. You know, live videos or whatever. And I tend to just know that this is somewhere I I kind of identify places where I need to grow or where I need to challenge myself and I dive into it. So that I think that's probably why I decided like I should try entrepreneurship.
2: (laughs) That's a great lesson, too. Like sometimes it's okay to get a little uncomfortable in order to, you know, just shake things up a little bit or grow. Right. Um, I I love that. Um, it's something that I try to do myself. It, it, it's a little tough sometimes. <laughs> um, because I, I too am team introvert, I would say for sure. Um, but I, I do enjoy people as well socializing. But the, you know, there's always that time that you need to recharge as well when you're, you're an introvert. I'm sure you're familiar with that, Tess. Yes, <laughs> um, and, <but. laughs>
0: and I think it, it's just we kind of identify points where we need to push ourselves a little bit and, yeah. and see how we can grow. And I will say that um, I don't I don't tend to take risk without it being pretty calculated or prepared. Mm-hmm. So I was very prepared when I went from full time to entrepreneurship. Um and I had I had some sort of plan, whether it was a good cushion of savings or you know being prepared to figure out how I was going to make money. So, I try to take
2: calculated risks. That's awesome. Good cushion of savings, definitely a good financial tip. <laughs> that <laughs> for sure. Uh, so yeah, so we're we are all about you know simplifying things here at Spark Joy living a life of more but with less intentionally evaluating the things that we keep around us um, and that includes practicing the konmari method but of course there's other complementary schools of of thought like minimalism or frugalism there's even essentialism as well so if think considering all of those different ways or tools you can use to kind of live a better life Uh, which one would you say you would gravitate the most to? Or how would you characterize your own personal finance philosophy?
0: Yeah. And it's so funny that you asked this question, because I like so badly want to be a minimalist. I feel like that's such a sexy term right now. But I know that there's certain areas in my life where I just cannot. (laughs) And so (laughs) I'm, I'm definitely more of an essentialist. I, I, I'm not So frugal. I can be frugal in areas as well. So I'm, I'm minimalist and frugal, a frugalist in certain areas, but it's definitely more, you know, my philosophy is, especially with money is if it brings you joy, um, make room in your budget and spend on that thing or save up for that thing that you really want to splurge on. And then that helps you build awareness and it kind of keeps you from spending on things that you just, so for some reason, we feel like we should be spending money on. But then when we get down to it, we realize, you know, that's not really anything that's necessary or that brings us joy and we can very well do without. So I think essentialism is the um, separating the what is it? The essential few from the trivial many. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Or finding what your uh, essential few are so that you're not... Um, directing your energy or your money towards too many different items you have like a really intentional path forward and you're not spreading yourself too thin i that's how i would i would characterize it yeah and we can uh link that book essentialism in the show notes as well so you guys can have that as a reference yes that's one of my
0: favorite books oh awesome (laughs) I read it when I was working in the corporate world and I was like, I got to get out of here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow, so I need was- to take a nap. <laughs> Well, I think that probably ties back in with uh, as you described yourself, an, an introverted extrovert. That realizing that you know there's there's just a price that you're paying for all of that, and and really just evaluating where you are as far as what you, where you see your life in five years or ten years, which I think is also a big concept when you talk about you know growing and preserving your wealth. Now, when when we talk about decluttering in Kanmari, uh, a lot of times. Um, people who are new to the idea run up against this concept of getting rid of things and whether or not that fits in with living a frugal life. Um, Because, you know, these, you paid money for these things that you're now donating or giving away or, or selling or whatever. Um, How would you say, how would you, how do you see living kind of a more um, thoughtful, mindful life and minimizing possessions in fitting in with how you would grow your wealth?
0: Oh, there's so many great synergies there. I think, you know, what I kind of preach is having your priorities. And this goes kind of back to the essentialism is, you know, prioritizing what those important things are. Um, and what is essential to you. And then everything else is, is kind of clutter. And so when we p- pay attention and again, you know, I'm always talking about um, prioritizing and building awareness around your spending or just <clears throat> even the things that you own. Um, and when you start to get rid of things, you start to recognize what you can live off of and what, is absolutely unnecessary and just kind of that clutter and right. that builds that awareness and it builds that muscle of being able to say no in the future. So you can end up spending less, but then you can see it by spending less you've opened up room in um you know your your income to be able to go towards a different a different financial vehicle. So it's no longer going to your expenses. It's now going to maybe an investment or a savings account or somewhere where you can actually put your money to work for you and watch it grow.
1: Right. I really like what you just said about building muscle. Um, we we think a lot of, in terms of like, oh, you know, so this red dress that I have hanging in my closet, it was really gorgeous in the store. It looks good in my closet, but it doesn't look good on me. So what is the purpose of this item? Well, it taught me that I don't look good in red. So <laughs> and and maybe that's all it was meant to do. But then, you know, in the future that maybe that's not the right color for you. So really, in a way, even though you've you've invested in a lesson that now will help you financially in the future.
0: Yeah. And that's um, a really good way to, I think one of uh, um, the big issues that we face with money, especially with women being so emotionally attached to their money is sometimes you feel this guilt from spending it. And it's really good to kind of flip that script and say, you know, this red dress that I'd never wear, but I'm going to keep in my closet or, you know, if I decide to get rid of it, whatever it is, it's still, it's. It was an investment to tell yourself, you know, now you have a reason why you bought it, and it's no longer this. Oh, I
2: just wasted money buying this red dress.
1: Right. 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 Uh, and I- yeah, I,
2: look, I like to tell my clients the money's gone. Um, it's already spent. I say that in the <laughs> nicest way possible. We uh, say
0: we say that's a sunk cost.
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <I> say-
1: exactly. <laughs> so one of the things when it comes to tidying or one of the main things when it comes to tidying a home with our clients with the, in the KonMari method is this idea of beginning with a, um, a vision for how you see yourself in the future. And for some people, that whole idea is really overwhelming. The The concept of like, going through all of your items or taking a look at at even your financial situation is so overwhelming. A lot of people have a hard time getting started. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think getting started for a lot of people in in all of these areas is really the first big hurdle, maybe the biggest hurdle to overcome. What would you say are some really good first steps for people to take when they want to begin to get their financial lives in order? Mm, Yes. So
0: I have a couple um, thoughts on this. And the first, the first one absolutely is just to, um, commit and whether that's setting a time in your calendar and a reminder to block out an hour of your day to sit down and officially commit to it. And that's when, you know, you sit down and you pull up your bank statements or you pull up your, um, your debt payoff, uh, you know, mechanisms, or if it's an online account, you, you look it up and you pull all of your numbers together. So Mm -hmm. I like to, you know, just start with calculating your net worth, which is, um, everything that you own minus everything that you owe. And that just gives you a financial picture. And, um, I also kind of, Cushion that statement with saying, don't worry about what your net worth is, whether it's positive or negative. There's no benchmark or rule of thumb about where you have to be at any given point in your life. The best part is that you're just doing it. You're sitting down and you're doing it. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, when you, like you said, you look out and it's really hard to, um, imagine yourself or have that vision because it's so far out into the future and you can't even imagine what that would look like. And I, um, really like to promote setting much shorter goal, shorter term goals. So if someone has a long-term goal of paying off their debt and being debt free, sure, that's a great long-term goal to have. And you should definitely write that down, but then let's think about what you can realistically accomplish in three months. And now let's envision where, what you can, um, do with that kind of financial freedom that you freed yourself of in just three months. And so, you know, what, whether it's, um, just saying I'm going to pay X towards my debt instead of, you know, have it all paid off, you can still at least envision what that would be like to have paid a sum of your debt off in three months and already feel a little bit of weight lifted off your shoulders. So I find that breaking things down into um, shorter chunks is really helpful when it's so hard to envision so far out with such a, you know, I've never been debt free. So how am I, you know, how could I even imagine myself like that? Um, it's easier to just think, okay, what about if you just had ten percent less debt, um, and just getting the ball rolling there.
2: That's awesome! Yeah, I. It's interesting how many um, parallels there is between tackling um, finances in the way that you just described and how to tidy the home. I, I know I tell my clients uh, that, or I kind of compare Kanmari to intense debt programs or debt repayment mm. programs or or like a diet program um, where it's intentionally um, you you're you're confronting things intentionally in order to kind of change behaviors I guess um, mm. so uh, with KonMari you tidy all at once and not like a little bit here a little bit there but the first step is just like you said making the time to making it a priority and then um, setting up the vision. Um, I know when I started working through tidying, I realized that I had, um, that the clutter was just a symptom of um, something that was deeper and ended up being uh, my in- discomfort with um, just my ability to produce something in my, in my um, career that you know really matters and makes a difference. Um, so the remedy was shopping. And I realized that when I was going <laughs> through the clothing process and that was totally not working for me. So, um, after I, I, I do, I, well, after completing tidying, I decided to look deeper into finances and I, I have a vision of where I want to be, but I was wondering if you could help me and others who might have the vision, but really don't know what the next step would be, what would you suggest is like some, some key tips to kind of decluttering once you know where you want to be financially?
0: Yeah. So there's, there's several
2: different ways you
0: can go from this. Um, but definitely, you know, after taking that first step of sitting down and, you know, just seeing what's out there, what debt do you have? What, um, income do you have coming in? How much cash do you have in the bank? Do you have any investments seeing where you're at and what your net worth is? Then you can kind of take an organized approach to, um, to, to managing your finances. And so step one is to, you know, sit down and set your goals and decide where you want to be at in three months. Um, and then determine, you know, what are your financial goals? Are they short term? Are they, which is under a year. And that will also help you identify um, what sort of financial vehicle you should be putting your money into? Um, are they medium term, which is anywhere from over one year to seven to 10 years out? So that could be, um, planning for kids one day. And so you want to start saving now because kids are expensive. Um, or maybe, or you want to buy a home or buy a new car. Um, and then long-term goals would be things like retirement or, um, investing for a, a second home or investing for a kid's college grad college, um, fund. And so kind of defining where your financial goals are. And really you can get really deep with this and, and you don't have to have any sort of actual plan on every single one of them. Cause that'll come with time, but getting it all out of your head is a good way to start. And then categorizing them from short term to medium term to long term. And then, um, what I do is I really start with the short term and I have a way of organizing my finances actually by having multiple bank accounts and it, that feels a little bit disorganized because, you know, you're going from one bank account to many, but it actually mm-hmm. helps give your money a purpose. And when you're saving for the short term or you're trying to pre-save for, some, some big expenses or some expensive times wow. of year, like the holidays. Um, I find that it's really helpful to um, after you get your income in your regular checking account, then automatically sending some money to these various categorized bank accounts that will um, help you save for those big goals that you have mm-hmm. to, uh, achieve for yourself throughout the year. So a uh, couple that I recommend are emergency savings, of course, um, having that account as a buffer for in case of any emergencies. And then also I like to recommend weddings and gifts, and this is other people's weddings that we uh-huh. often tend to have a lot of when we're in our twenties and thirties, um, and even beyond and gifts of course is for holiday times as well as birthdays throughout the year, but having an account aside so that you're actively saving for those expensive times of year. And then I also personally have a stupid mistakes account because I make a lot of stupid mistakes like living in Chicago and getting parking tickets
1: quite frequently.
0: (laughs) Um, But that's a way that I like to organize my finances and, you know, give, it's kind of like having a, um, a place in your home for everything. Like everything has its place. It's not disorganized and you know, spilling over into something else, you, you know, exactly what that money is meant for. And it really helps avoid helps you avoid getting into any sort of um, consumer debt, because you're pre saving for a lot of these big things.
2: I see. And when it comes to day to day bills, do you connect that to one of the accounts or and then Go from there, or how does that work? Yeah, so um, I actually recommend.
0: So those would all be savings accounts, the the goals based accounts, oh, and okay. then yeah, okay. for your spending, of course, you have the money that your um, that your paycheck gets gets uh, deposited into the account for that and then you would separate that account. Um, so that account could remain as is as your fixed expenses account. And then you could have your discretionary spending account. Um, and so fixed expenses are those things that you can predict from month to month. And they're typically your necessary living expenses. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's things like rent or your mortgage, any type of insurance payments, um, utility bills, cell phone, internet, all of that. And then, um, you know, If you have like your Netflix being drawn out of that account, it's a fixed expense. So keep it in that account, even though it might be discretionary in quotes, it's like not enough money to throw you off. Um, Unless that's (laughs) something that doesn't spark joy, and then you absolutely can get rid of it. (laughs)
2: Exactly
0: but then the discretionary account is where everything fluctuates you know some some we- weeks or months you go out to dinner a lot and some you stay in and you make your food at home um sometimes you drive around a lot you need to fill your car up with gas and sometimes you don't uh, especially if you're in chicago if you have a car it can you know vary wildly um like it does for me and then um that that's also for entertainment and um shopping and events and and all of the things that you don't need to necessarily live on as far as your baseline living goes, but it's all those things that you make kind of last minute decisions to pull out your credit card and swipe.
2: Sure. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned cars. That was one of my post tidying, um, you know, I guess you could say discard or (laughs) (laughs) donate. I don't don't know, but I, I let go of my, my vehicle. I've had a vehicle since 2000. Um, And so I don't, I I was was a little nervous, but I found that once I moved to Chicago, I just really haven't needed it. So now I'm just uh, really careful about um, not going crazy with Uber because that's (laughs) uh, (laughs) very easy to do. (laughs) So that's my new, um, I guess, discretionary or slash necessary spending category. But um, yeah, I love that that idea of splitting everything up so you don't find yourself panicking uh, when those unexpected kind of situations come up. Mm-hmm. So that's a great tip. So I know that, I mean, for me, this is the case, I don't know if it's for everyone, but I, but I feel like there's still a bit of fear, shame, embarrassment sometimes associated around money. Um, there's a great deal of more transparency, I feel, around just talking about money. Now that we have this, you know, great equalizer that is social media, um, and these great programs that have come out around finances, whether it be Steve, uh, Susie Orman or um, Dave Ramsey, uh, just those just people who are just really making, talking about money and standing in your truth, very, um, you know, not as intimidating or kind of breaking the barriers there. But I feel like still there's some, you know, issues, especially when it comes to women talking about their money, even to their close friends and family. Uh, Where do you think that stems from? And how can we kind of move beyond that way of thinking?
0: Yeah. So, Talking about money, um, it's just always been kind of taboo. And some of it is income related. Um, we've kind of been trained not to talk about our income, how much money you make, um, whether that's employers that kind of mandate that, or that is just because people are embarrassed if they don't make as much as their peers. Um, and then also debt related, especially in more recent years, a lot of people um, have meant much more graduating with much more student loan debt. And then that can kind of feed into also the consumer debt. Um, and it, it's because, you know, we've... Okay. Well, what's so wonderful right now about this whole minimalist movement is that I feel like it's kind of the first step towards showing people that less really is more and that we don't need to be spending so much. So I'm very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I believe in the past that we've been in such a highly consumerist culture and, um, that would mean that, you know, if you don't have the things that other people has, you know, the family across the street or next door, then you're not in the same class level. And there's some sort of fear around that that um, has to be happening. And now we're kind of moving away from that um, just because it's almost you know, having less things is the new sexy. And so, um, there's a lot more pride to be had, but the, the shame and the fear and the embarrassment is definitely still there just because it's such a taboo topic. Um, and it's kind of rooted into our nature as human beings to Mm -hmm. not be comfortable talking about it, becoming comfortable about talking about it is really important. So we can kind of Build the knowledge, you know, the knowledge base of where we should be at, um, without getting into the comparison game. And that's really hard. That's a really hard line to walk. Um, but having, ha- just having more conversations without, you know, having to divulge your numbers, but explaining, especially if you're in a peer group, you know, that it's where your priorities lie. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a really easy way to ease into or, you know, run along the same path of having the money conversation, because maybe you don't want to spend as much money on X, Y, Z things that your friends want to spend money on. Um, but of course, then there's, when it comes to having the conversation with your partner, that is very, very, very important. Um, that doesn't mean you have to combine your finances. You can kind of do Choose and do what you want with that, but you need to understand where your partner is financially, um, so you can, you know, make sure that if you're blending your lives together, that you can, you know, watch out for each other and um, grow together.
2: It's awesome,
1: yeah. Because I think it gets really complicated when it's certainly complicated just when it comes to your friends as far as deciding you know, what you can invest in doing various activities. But when you're talking about, you know, a a committed relationship and how you both of your visions for your future fit together or don't fit together. And, and, you know, I'm a big believer in the, in the idea that people who are very different can be very happy together, but there's definitely conversations that have to happen and, you know, getting expectations and and, and kind of belief systems out on the table, I think, is really important. But it's so hard. I mean, it's such a hard conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so different. It's, it's so the opposite of what, you know, the romance part of a relationship. But it can really make a huge difference on down the road.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of inevitable that it's going to come up eventually and it's much better to bring it up now. And, you know, I'm speaking specifically, I've seen a lot of, especially women who carry around consumer debt that their partners don't know about and Mm -hmm. their, their goal is to just pay it off and kind of brush it under the rug and pretend like it never happened. Um, and my only kind of pause to that is, you know, well, I have a couple and one is you want to make sure if you can get, if you can have the conversation before any sort of commitment takes place, um, then that helps you understand if your partner is willing to kind of work through this with you and support you and be your cheerleader. And, um, you know, you can take all the responsibility for it. You can show them, you know, I'm fessing up to you because I want to take responsibility for this debt and I want to pay it off and I want to do it wisely. Um, but I also need your support because, uh, a lot of times it's in our relationships where one person is a spender and one person is a saver, um, or one person or they're both spenders and one person is trying to get out of a lot of credit card debt, but can't because they're kind of held up to this expectation. So it's really, um, highly recommended to kind of Be on the same, make sure you're on the same playing field before, um, getting into that commitment and, and then being afraid to kind of divulge these, uh, secrets that you might have.
1: Right. Uh, I mean, just the anxiety alone of carrying around that kind of, you know, kind of secret financial issue, I think is really, it's so damaging, Mm -hmm. um, just on a personal level I know certainly in times of my life when I've had you know those types of issues that I just wanted to take care of myself and I just hope that everything would go just exactly the way it needed to go so that I could deal with this but it's the anxiety that you carry around and during those you know with those kinds of issues I think is really really hard yeah and and probably unnecessary you know
2: right yeah Yeah. it almost feels like a weight or just a cloud or Mm -hmm. something that's just always there and (laughs) just always know that it's, it's solid on your mind. I mean, I can imagine it has, uh, also just a a effect on physical being as well. I know for me, I'm very sensitive to stressful situations and anxiety and the, 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 if I thinking about it and, um, sometimes it will definitely impact how i am physically, um, I'm acting day to day as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just, I think it's so
0: important to, no matter how much anxiety it might produce in the moment to bring it up and talk about it because, um, you don't really want to be with someone who can't accept you for your flaws. And Mm -hmm. if, if you can kind of bring that to the forefront, um, then they can, they can help you. And they not, that doesn't necessarily mean financially, but, but from a supportive standpoint, from if you, you know, are trying to make up then other excuses for why you don't want to purchase something or go to, or take this trip or travel because you have a goal that they don't know about. Um, that
2: just feels, it just feels very damaging. Sure. I think those lines of communication are also important when considering tidying as well. Uh, That tidying is one thing that also brings up a lot of uh, emotions or feelings or kind of sparks conversations that may not happen um, if you don't put the attention on organizing the home. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I know that's, that's happened just even between me and my parents when we've talked about like things that they'd, uh, they enjoy things they don't uh things that spark joy for them things that don't uh i've just learned a lot more about them and uh even i I was very um afraid to talk to them about something that i wanted to donate that had been passed down for a family Mm -hmm. and then when i actually got the courage to ask like call my dad about it he's like you know what I really just appreciate the fact that you even asked, you know, uh, before yeah. you, you, you know, and, and I'm not mad at all. And, you know, I also need to evaluate whether or not we need to keep all of these objects in our homes that were, it was actually my great grandmother's ceramic pieces. And um, it kind of opened his eyes and he was just appreciative that I even asked before I donated it. So it's, it's something that we kind of get scared to talk about tidying or financing I think in the end, you're you're so right when you're. It's you know it has to happen. It's so important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and to your point, I mean it, it. They run on parallel tracks because if someone were to c- go to their partner and mention these financial goals, um, and that's one way to really start off without kind of digging into the, the financial skeletons you have in your closet is let's just start with talking about our goals and where we want to be, um, and start with an easy conversation. You know, I'd really love to do this in the short term and this in the long term, and maybe this in a couple of years. Um, but, and then maybe the the conversation will turn into, okay, how do we get there? Um, and what is holding you back? And then you can talk about what's holding you back. And that might even, you know, trigger your partner to say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're, you know, you're wanting to conquer this goal of paying off debt. I have consumer debt too. Let's pay it off together. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways to kind of, um, maybe establish goals together or, Get them inspired to start organizing or improving their financial future.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because one of the guidelines in KonMari is that um, it's it's never a good idea to organize someone else's things. So even though you may be really tempted to organize a family member's things, it's really much more important to let them come to that conclusion themselves. Mm -hmm. So this idea that in Kanmai, if you get your own house in order, that other people will be inspired to do that as well. So, but it's still, it's still the ownership of the issue um, that is so important and recognizing that, that, you know, people need to come to their own, their own place in their own way. And, you know, again, it's all about communication and making sure that it's clear where you, the directions that you're both going. I mean, individually and as a couple. Yes. So one thing I um, wanted to talk about is your podcast, Words and Money. You've featured some career women who are financially independent and growing their own wealth. Um, when you think about the guests that you've had on your show, there's a really strong common link. Um, and there's a lot of things that they've done to um, give, bring them to the decision to Become more financially independent. What do you think the collective secret is for women who have really achieved um, their financial independence? Mm.
0: That's a good question. I don't know if I can reveal their secrets.
1: We want to know all the secrets.
0: Um, and oh, it, it is a very, secret.
1: Wow. It's,
0: it's a very public secret. Um and it really is just anyone can achieve financial independence. Um the hardest part is taking action. So that and that's probably their secret is that they take action, they implement um so when they learn New things or new opportunity, learn of new opportunities or find ways to make more money. They actually, um, take action and they implement. And then, uh, the other thing is that they put their money to work for them. So a lot of that kind of goes into investing or creating businesses that really kind of uh, produce great returns on the investment that they had to make to create their business. Or maybe that is, um, buying a home that they, then, you know, investing in a home that turns into a rental property and it produces income. And a lot of this is, you know, you put your money to work for you. And so you're making passive income because you don't have to actively be, you know, working in order to make that money. You, you make an upfront investment and then it continues to pay dividends. Now that doesn't mean it's easy by any means. Um, but that means that they are educating themselves and they're taking action consistently.
1: So it's really kind of moving toward a place of, uh, to a place where you can begin to invest into vehicles that provide a passive income, as mm-hmm. well as an active income. Mm-hmm. I think we've, we you know, that's something that you always hear, but it sounds so un- unobtainable for the average person. But I think it's as you've talked about throughout, it's really making those first steps yes. and taking the action to getting there.
0: And honestly, it sounds unattainable, but it's very, very quite easy. Um, and without getting too far into kind of the world of investing, it's very easy to open up a uh, brokerage account through a robo advisor online. And you can just put a hundred bucks, just find a hundred bucks that you don't care if it, you know, disappears someday, which mm-hmm. e- that might be hard. Cause I know we all like hold tight to our money. We don't want to lose it. But if you're willing to take a small amount of risk and just see if you can put a hundred bucks to work for you, um, I think you'll recognize how easy it actually is to put your money away. Um, and then from there you get a little bit more comfortable with kind of, uh, putting your money into other various vehicles that will uh, prove to give you a return.
1: So we're very interested to know if you have made a splurge purchase recently that sparked joy for you.
0: Oh, I make splurge purchases all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I save, I pre-save for my splurges, but I definitely yeah. treat myself. Um Great. The most recent one, and this is, if you watch any of my videos, um, I think one of them I talked about, there's five things that I will not give up, um, even though I kind of live this more essential, um approach to spending money and that is i just i have i have to go well, i don't have to i get to go to wine country for a wedding for one of my dear friends and i decided to buy myself a massage while i'm there mm-hmm. so massages are my favorite uh, way to pamper
2: myself and they definitely spark joy <laughs> <laughs> great awesome and building on that when you think about just your life in general what's sparking the most joy right now at this very moment. We ask all of our guests to share you know, your biggest spark joy moment right now in your life. Mm. I think it's, um, well, I know it's that I'm finally
0: really living and breathing what my brand is. And my brand Wander Wealthy is um, educating women to become empowered and fearless about, you know, Finding their freedom um, and event, you know, taking adventures and enjoying things in their life um, while they live within their financial means, and I get to do that uh, because I am finally officially location independent. I'm going to be in Italy for two months this summer. <laughs> and i I get to educate. And I apologize. There's a. This is typical Chicago. There's a fire truck passing, <laughs> <So> <laughs> but I'll talk through it. Um, <laughs> All right. I get to educate women just like myself and help them kind of figure out the different ways that they can do what I do.
2: Beautiful. And do you have any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, um, I would say the,
0: the biggest piece of advice that I can leave is to take that first step. And that's just to, um, commit and take action for one hour where you sit down and you decide that you're committed to decluttering your financial life.
2: Awesome. Yeah, that's so important. And thank you so much for being on our show. I want to let all of our listeners know that Tess Wix is offering a free anti-budget training. and. I'm so excited. Do you want about me to this. explain it real quick? I know. It sounds I do. Good.
0: <laughs> absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah. So the
0: anti-budget is a really, really simplistic form of budgeting. And it all boils down to one number that you get each day to spend. Um, and I explain it in the free training. I won't take up any more time, but it's it's completely, I've always hated and been really, really terrible at budgeting. And it's completely changed the way that I spend. It helps me build awareness around my spending, which is one of the things that we talked about. I'm sure um, with the KonMari method, you also need to build a lot of awareness around things you collect. This is building awareness around things that you're spending um, money on. And it also helps me stay within um, living within my means and making sure that I'm not overspending. And then that would directly be linked to that discretionary bank account that we talked about earlier with the different savings and checking accounts. So um, the anti-budget is a daily number that is completely simplifying budgeting as you know it.
2: That sounds amazing. I'll definitely be checking that out. And I want our listeners to know that you can find the free anti-budget training at www.wanderwealthy.com forward slash slash anti-budget. Yes. All right. <laughs> so thank you so much, Tess, for joining joining us here at Spark Joy. It was so great having you. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Thank you so much for
1: joining. It was really great to have you on. You can connect with Tess Wicks at WanderWealthy.com. Join the Wander Wealthy community on Facebook and YouTube and check out Tess's podcast, Words and Money.
2: So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life.
1: You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook or on Twitter at Spark Joy Podcast.
2: Thanks for tuning in and we hope your day sparks joy.
1: Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host Kristen Ivy of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago, and Karen Sochi of the Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmarry Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone, and do not represent the corporate position of Conmarry Media Incorporated or the Conmary Consultant Community.